Truth Espresso, episode 283. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso, to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. And now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Well, hello there, friends, family, foes, and lurkers alike. This is your host, Daniel Minnick, and I have with me once again my sweet, beautiful wife and co-host, Chelsea. And we are going to talk about an item in the news. Well, perhaps, maybe you haven't seen it. It's showed up on uh, some pro-life websites, but it's not the big thing going on right now with all the primaries and Trump beating Nikki Haley in South Carolina or who he's going to pick for VP and, you know, all the big stuff there. This one might slip through the cracks, but we're going to address it in this episode. And that has to do with what's called the DC-5. And so, sweetheart, ready to talk about the DC-5? And we're not talking about a band here. We're talking about babies. Yeah, I'm glad that we're able to share this information with our listeners and just kind of give them the background of what's going on with this. Yeah, and so the question that this episode is asking, and it's still under investigation to figure out, is is infanticide happening in Washington, D.C.? And so, as I said, the DC-5, this nickname is not the name of a band or musical group. It refers to five particular late stage, possibly you know, in the process of birth, baby bodies that were found in a box. And so the box actually had, I think, 110 to 115 aborted babies in it that was, of course, going to be disposed like it's medical waste. But five in particular stood out because they were further developed than most of them. And as I said, pretty close to birth, the question was then, like, were these particular five aborted illegally according to federal law? So in Washington, D.C., there are no actual laws in the District of Columbia there that actually restrict abortion. And so the only abortion restrictions that would happen in our sacred Washington, D.C. there, where the White House resides, would be whatever federal restrictions there are. And the only federal restriction that appears to apply right now would be the partial birth abortion ban or 18 U.S. Code 1531 that President George W. Bush had signed into law. And so that's then the question of these five, and these were actually discovered in 2022. So we're talking about a controversy over five late-stage aborted baby bodies that have been involved in investigation and a controversy over this, whether an actual federal crime was committed, going on two years right now. And so, sweetheart, could you talk about what is this federal law that is causing an investigation over these particular five baby bodies? Yes, it's kind of complicated. 
So in 2007, the Supreme Court ruled that partial birth abortions were not a good practice and they banned that specific procedure in the United States. So actually, I think it was in 2003. I think it was early, well, the law in 2003. Okay. So yeah, in 2003, the U.S. Supreme Court approved to put a ban on, in quotes, partial birth abortion. So what's kind of misunderstood with that is that that does not eliminate or criminalize abortion procedures at any certain age of gestation. It was just one specific technique and not necessarily too specific of the technique in the actual ban. I mean, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, they were kind of laughing at this whole ruling, which you think they would be upset, but they're like, partial birth abortion isn't even a medical term. And so they're saying like, okay, they're trying to ban something that wasn't even a common medical way to describe how this particular abortion was done. And so what we have is a lot of confusion with that there was actually a partial birth abortion ban. Because there are different techniques that doctors will do, we shouldn't call them doctors, <laughs> that abortionists will do that will actually end the life of the unborn baby in later term in the pregnancy. So it doesn't have to be one specific technique or the one specific partial birth abortion ban that this ruling was. There's a lot of different methods that they can still use to do this. And so that kind of creates a lot of mess with the whole Washington Five to see what exactly took place there. Because if it was a specific technique that they were trying to refer to in the partial birth abortion ban, then yeah, that would be against that. But also because that ban was a little more vague, we're kind of hoping that there's enough evidence to show that this was not necessary. So some of the arguments for having the partial birth abortions or more clearly late-term abortions, a lot of medical providers will say that this is needed if the mom's life is at risk and they say that this is the safest procedure to do for saving the mom's life. So their argument is that the partial birth abortion ban actually totally dismisses women and even considering that their life might be at risk. The pro-life side to that, though, is that we're saying you don't have to intentionally, especially at that late in pregnancy, you do not have to intentionally kill the unborn child to save the mom's life. You can deliver the baby and try and save both of them. And that's where some of the distinction is between, yes, we, of course, care about the mom's life. We're not going to say, leave the baby in there and not care about the mom. But at the same time, we're not saying it's okay to intentionally and not only just intentionally, but in a very grotesque way, kill these unborn babies. Because at that point, I mean, we've had babies as early as, it's rare, but as early as 18 weeks able to survive outside of the womb. Of course, we're going to try and give these babies support as much as possible because these are human beings. And a lot of times we are confronted with the other side where they do not consider these unborn children human beings and just something that they can get rid of or dismember or there's no humanity in that. And 
unfortunately, the partial birth abortion ban did not help with that a lot. It just created some more confusion and helped abortion providers be a little more creative in how they actually perform them. So kind of long story short, long story of how that ruling went and like exactly what it entails. It's not really a law or a ruling that has much teeth to it, but, you know, it's still possible that someone could violate it if they just don't step in the right place, basically. So we have the confusing and so-called partial birth abortion ban. So then it's, if you have... We're talking from a perspective of respect all life. It doesn't matter what kind of abortion it is or at what stage, all life should be protected. But then we have this particular situation where, given the nature of things, you have one federal statute that bans one type of abortion at a very late stage. And so if someone finds very late stage babies that possibly could have been undergone some kind of abortion, possibly partial birth in some form there, then, hey, if there's a federal statute that says you can't do this, there should be an investigation to see if if someone actually violated that federal statute. And I think that's primarily the issue there. Like, these look like possible candidates for, you know, a violation of this federal law. And how did we end up getting access to these five bodies? So in in March of 2022, so two years ago, as of this recording, the Progressive Anti-Abortion Uprising, or PAAU, which is a secular and progressive pro-life group, managed to get the bodies of 115 aborted babies from the Washington Surgic Clinic via a truck driver who normally transports what is called by the abortion clinic medical waste from the clinic. So they contacted this truck driver and he gave them the box so they can investigate. And they saw, of course, lots of gory details in there. But what stood out were these particular five late stage baby bodies that they ended up nicknaming. And to find out what's going on in the, the hellscape of Washington, D.C., we're kind of indebted to this group here. And they're, they're kind of an interesting group as I looked at their website, you know. They consider themselves progressive, and a lot of them claim to be atheists. And progressive, they're like more like socialist in their ideology. One of their tenets is that they're against capitalism, and they think capitalism is responsible for abortion politics. And stuff. So it's, I think it would be cool to talk to some of these people and figure out what makes them tick. I read that one of the members of this group claimed to be a former pro-choice Christian who became a pro-life atheist. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> and yeah, there's like picture of, I think their name is Handy, the lady who leads this group, and she looks kind of like your typical Democrat protester type, but she holds a sign saying, like, I'm progressive atheist and I'm pro-life. <laughs> so, like, very interesting characters, and they do some good work. I mean, they're just wishy-washy pro-life. They believe life begins at conception. They're pretty close to what we would consider 100% pro-life. 
So it's like, hey, you know, God can draw a straight line with a crooked stick. So he could use interesting people like this who they will protest at Planned Parenthood's. They will protest outside of CVS's and Walgreens for selling abortion pills and stuff. So they do their progressive anti-abortion activity with vigor there. And so they probably put a lot of Christian pro-lifers to shame with some of the stuff they do there. So as we said, the five of these uh, bodies that they found in this box have been nicknamed the DC-5. And now, Dr., see if I'm pronouncing this correctly, Cesare Santangelo. Cesare Santangelo is the OBGYN who works at the Washington Surgery Clinic. And of course, I've watched a video clip. I could put a link to that in the show notes where he was interviewed. I think it was back in like 2013 or something where it was clear that even then he was he reminds me of Warren Hearn in Colorado. Like there was a pro-life woman who was undercover to ask him questions, pretending to be pregnant and asking him questions about she really doesn't want to deal with a, this late term baby that she has. And would he be able to help? And would he even abort or do like partial birth abortions or something like that? Or what happens if the baby ends up surviving the procedure? What would he do? You know, but it seemed clear that he was someone who would let it die in the clinic. So, yeah, one of those devilish people. So another part of that that's interesting is that I'm surprised they still had these babies in that box because at least here in Colorado, they have a research vehicle that comes up and collects all the aborted babies and brings them to the research universities and they're able to harvest live organs if they can. So they make a lot of money having these babies not be dead entirely or not be dead for a long time because then they can harvest vital organs for research or other things. So it's just kind of interesting that these five late ones like this were just kind of left and they weren't trying to transport them to make a lot of money off the organs and stuff. There's so many levels to the abortion industry that makes you just sick to your stomach when you learn more and see more of what they're actually doing and just how evil it is. It can be, as you mentioned, with the harvesting. And I know there's the whole thing with uh, David DeLayden, I think his name was, Mm -hmm. uh, how he was undercover investigating. And of course, the powers that be didn't want his investigation to survive the scrutiny in court. And the judge was friendly to, I'm sure the judge has probably made use of Planned Parenthood. And, oh, we can't let him win this. So he would have to bear the brunt of all the punishment that really should have happened to Planned Parenthood in that case. And, you know, they tried to claim that he edited videos and stuff. But that whole thing with the harvesting organs and stuff, it seems like the modern day moral equivalent of cannibalism. Just as trafficking today is kind of the equivalent of slavery, this type of abortion stuff is like the modern equivalent of cannibalism. And so, yeah, we think we're civilized societies. Well, there's still lots of evil, uncivilized activity that just gets a new way of packaging it. 
Looking at an article from March 23rd of 2023, so about a year ago, there's an article, kind of the one-year marker of when these babies were first discovered. So an article entitled, One Year Later, uh, D.C. Mayor Stonewalls Probe into Aborted Babies' Bodies. So yeah, the D.C., the Metro Police, the clinic there, these bodies are still around as far as we know, but there's been lots of stonewalling, lots of trying to keep investigations from happening to find out if these babies were legally late-term aborted or illegally late-term aborted. But it seems like if somehow the more the stonewalling happens here for two long years now, you have to wonder, like, did they actually do it illegally? Did they actually do the so-called partial birth abortion? If they're so willing, desperate to keep stonewalling the investigation and claiming that the investigation is still ongoing. But you know how that is. We hear that all the time with the last few years. Everything is under investigation in perpetuity and no one can answer any questions or allow any real investigation to happen because everything's under investigation. So I think it's still kind of weird they're trying to figure out if it was partial birth abortion or not because there's so many loopholes in that actual ban. But I'm thinking it's more looking at was this infanticide? Oh, yeah. Were the babies just born like totally came out like were fully birthed? Oh, yeah. I think then that's where when the abortion happened at that point because with partial birth abortion and... I mean, it's ridiculous, but also this part can be like a little bit more graphic, but just so people listening understand, with a partial birth abortion, there's a baby's breech where the feet or the buttocks is coming out first. Then the doctor, the partial birth abortion says that you can't have the baby out past the belly button Yeah. because then it's considered born alive and then you have to do resuscitative measures. So putting a ban on that, you just don't deliver the baby to the belly button. Yeah, and you can still do exactly. a partial birth. And like, who's going to stand there and watch and be like, oh, you went a little past the belly button. Now it's illegal. So there's so many quirks in that. So it's like, I don't think they're worried about the partial birth abortion ban part of it, but more that most likely these babies were born and then they were killed after the entire birth process. So, I mean, either of those scenarios, of course, should be illegal, should be putting this abortionist behind bars. But no, they're just going to keep covering this up and delaying it. Meanwhile, he gets to continue practicing and harming other women and ultimately killing babies. And it's just so frustrating. Yeah, I think you're right, sweetheart, that it's less about the federal statute and more about the general, like, hey, this actually could fall under infanticide. You know, in general, the laws against actual murder of born people. Mm. And that's why you need an investigation, because it looks like it could have been infanticide. As much as it's ridiculous to say, well, this was a legally aborted late-term abortion, if it isn't infanticide of killing a baby after birth, then why is there so much stonewalling of this? Mm-hmm. It seems like it's thou dost protest too much that's going on here. And so in the article from last year, 
There's a part that says, quote, it has been about a year since this occurred. So 2022 it occurred, the article's from 2023. On Wednesday, the Metropolitan Police Department confirmed to the Daily Signal that its investigation into the baby's bodies is ongoing. The MPD, or Metropolitan Police Department, would not comment on the matter further, unquote. And then further down in the article, we have, quote, when an undercover live-action investigator asked Santangelo whether the baby might move if it were born alive, the abortionist told her, quote, that's why I try and sever the umbilical cord first, and we wait for that to stop pulsing, and this way the fetus is expired first, so it doesn't, unquote. This is, of course, grotesque, and we have the heartless abortion doctors who said, like, yeah, we shouldn't even call these people doctors who practice this type of murder, and they're so calloused and used to it. And, of course, he said that to someone who's undercover, and that's how we know this type of stuff, because when people are willing to spill beans to someone who they think is on their side, and then we get that kind of stuff revealed to the public... But, yeah, I also noticed that it says that the MPD last year had confirmed to the Daily Signal that its investigation was ongoing. And, like, we hear about that. We have Congress deposing people over things like the Hunter Biden investigation or the impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden and different things like that where they ask someone a question about something and then they'll say, And it's someone from a federal agency like the Department of Justice or the CIA. And they'll always say, well, you know, I'm not permitted to comment on an ongoing investigation. And then it's like, how are we supposed to know that you're actually investigating? You just put something in that file and it's an ongoing investigation. And all you're really doing is shielding yourself. You're not really investigating. You're just avoiding having to reveal any information. It's like pulling teeth to get a real investigation to happen. And so, yes, this was from one year ago, which was one year since the incident. And now we're in 2024, where it's been, as of this recording, close to two full years since the discovery of those baby bodies. And we have an article on February 7th entitled 35 anti-abortion groups ask congress to stop dc medical examiner from destroying potential evidence of infanticide there's like live action there's several other groups there that all signed a letter because the biden administration basically told the dc medical examiner We don't have any need to keep those bodies, so go ahead and destroy them. And, of course, that brings up suspicions of, like, well, what have you found with your investigation? Why is there no report of it? Detailed report demonstrating everything you've actually investigated. Like, why is this investigation kind of behind the curtain? And then it's like, hey, well, there's no need of it. Well, what did you unturn? Where's the detailed report? What are you trying to hide? And so that prompted various pro-life groups to tell them, don't destroy this evidence. We haven't seen in a real investigation yet. 
and 35 pro-life organizations in their letter was written to the now Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, and House Majority Leader Steve Scalise to tell them to make sure to push the administration not to destroy the bodies and to investigate into infanticide. Well, part of that was really sketchy, too, because there was someone supposedly at the Department of Justice who secretly told the medical examiner to just discard the bodies. Well, somehow that got kind of leaked out, and then the Daily Signal like reported that, and so it became more known to people that this was kind of what was going on. So then the Department of Justice, they were asked, like, did you tell the medical examiner to destroy those babies? And he's like, oh, no, I didn't do that. So just even like those little parts where it's like so much cover up and so much trying to have like deceitful justice. It's not really justice when you have to have all this cover up and all these lies and it's just interesting. So yeah, you can read that letter. I just wanted to point that out too, that just even how that information came out that the medical examiner is actually told to destroy those babies. I provide a link to the letter there in the show notes and toward the end of the letter it says, We call on the House of Representatives to immediately intervene to demand these bodies are not discarded before the proper autopsies and investigations have occurred. Additionally, we urge members of Congress to offer their voice to speak out about the five innocent unborn children whose lives were brutally taken just three miles from the House chamber. The DC-5 deserve justice, and the Department of Justice must cease covering up potential evidence of infanticide and partial birth abortion in our nation's capital. So, yeah, the letter there by the pro-life groups to the House of Representatives is to make sure that they threaten other powers that be that we're going to start impeaching people or if they don't cough up and stop stonewalling and try to discard evidence of potential infanticide. Of course, we would say that the fact that there is these dead bodies, regardless of how they were dead, demands an investigation. Hey there, friends, family, foes, and lurkers alike. This is Daniel Minnick, the host of the Truth Espresso podcast on the Christian podcast community. And I want you to check out Voice of Reason Radio with Chris Honholtz and Richard Story. Chris and Rich are two guys with big hearts who will bring you a show every week that is sure to be challenging, encouraging, and biblical. Voice of Reason Radio with Chris Honholtz and Richard Story is part of the Christian podcast community. Check them out at slavetothekingcom That's slavetothekingcom And tell them Truth Espresso sent you. So doesn't all of this injustice and deceitfulness just kind of make it hard to feel like, are we even making any strides towards being a voice or being heard from a biblical and Christian and pro-life standpoint? It just seems like sometimes all those lies and things can be a little bit overwhelming. And I was just thinking of a verse that kind of fit in between here is John 8 verse 32. 
and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And it's like so freeing as a Christian to know, okay, first of all, God is truth and we know he is just and he is faithful. And not only that, like besides all those things, he's merciful. Like He extends his mercy and his grace to us, which is overwhelming too. But I think just knowing that at some point, like truth will prevail. Like there isn't all these deceitful actions they're doing, all these cover-ups they're trying to hide. That isn't going to last. Like at some point that's going to come out. And I think that can help us as Christians to just hold on to that. But we know God is truth and that he is the ultimate victor over this. It reminds me of John chapter 3, where Jesus, of course, after he talks about believe on him, get everlasting life, he mentions light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil and that they don't come to the light lest their deeds should be reproved or exposed. When you have this kind of evil, deep state that doesn't value human life and likes to enrich themselves, off of treating human life this way. That's why you have all this kind of stonewalling and, oh, we shouldn't investigate this because they like to have their evil deeds and hide in the shadows. And when any kind of light comes, they're going to scamper into the shadows to try to prevent things from coming to light. So after this letter was written, attorneys for the American Center for Law and Justice, the ACLJ, and you know, I'm subscribed to their YouTube channel. They're a pretty good group. They're involved in like abortion-related stuff. They do things before the Supreme Court. They're involved in the Supreme Court case having to do with whether Donald Trump's going to be on the ballot in Colorado, like that kind of thing, too. So the attorneys for them, the ACLJ, prepared an emergency writ of mandamus, which is a very rare thing that actually happens, but D.C. officials have said that they will hold off on destroying the body. So it's kind of this very quick emergency thing to get them to hold off on that because it was very close that the Biden administration, we have no need of this. And, oh, yeah, some Congress people are whining about it. Well, fooey on you, you know, like, we've already done our investigation and we don't need anything. And who cares? You know, we don't have to publicize anything, you know. But uh, the ACLJ prevented them from destroying the bodies to provide a little bit of time. And, of course, some more publicity as to, like, wait, just what exactly is going on here? Is infanticide happening in D.C.? And the longer they try to stonewall, the more antics they try to pull, I think it should result in more public scrutiny and more questions to come up. Representative Chip Roy of Texas, he's a pretty good guy, and uh, Representative Andy Biggs of Arizona wrote a letter to D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser. You know, I like that. It just that name is just so fitting. <laughs> and D.C. Chief of Police Pamela Smith informing them of the investigation, and their letter says, "Quote." While other methods of abortion unfortunately remain legal in D.C., killing a child through a partial birth abortion is a crime under federal law. The Supreme Court of the United States upheld the federal ban on partial birth abortions in 2007, unquote. 
So yeah, like if there's any usefulness of that statute at all, is that it at least aids in probing investigations like this mm-hmm. um, to find out if infanticide is also happening too. On February 8th, the Daily Signal reported exclusively that Senator Ted Cruz of Texas wrote a letter on February 8th also to D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser, D.C. Chief Medical Examiner Francisco J. Diaz, and D.C. Chief of Police Pamela Smith warning them that they have been obstructing justice by stonewalling the investigation and that they could be required to testify before the Senate Subcommittee on the Constitution. Yeah, things are kind of heating up a little bit there. Lots of letters going back and forth. And now Congress and the Senate are arranging to force the people involved in this likely injustice to actually testify under oath. As of this recording, as far as we know, these bodies are still intact. They haven't been incinerated yet. But we don't know, like, okay, at any moment, at any time, I'm sure if anything did happen, the powers that be want to get rid of these bodies then. If they do, that's more of an injustice. But thankfully, you know, because of the pressure put here on it, even if they do that, they're going to get away with less, I think, because now there's more scrutiny, there's more... Congress members have been made more aware of this and there's probably going to be more probing and more testifying under oath to see if anything or what could have happened. It's interesting like I wonder how accurate autopsies would be. Yeah, I'm, that's what I'm of... wondering too, you know. Mm-hmm. Hey, if anything could come of it, they should do it, you know, like cuz these bodies have probably been preserved in some way, kept frozen or something you know it's like you know i don't want to get too graphic about this stuff but i'm sure that there's been some means of preserving them that maybe you know an autopsy would still reveal something or if they did the autopsy right away and then they just don't want to release the report because that could be criminalizing just kind of interesting but yeah something to just really pray about that we can expose all these evil people that want to cover up murder and cover up harming these little ones and that we can also just be strong through this battle because it can be kind of we have friends that are waiting to be sentenced up to 11 years in federal prison because they sat inside Mm. the entrance of a clinic an abortion clinic and they were singing songs like very peaceful and they're facing 11 years in prison for doing that potentially saving babies Mm. but this abortionist who has killed i don't even want to know how many babies he's killed but at least those 115 that they pulled out and he continues to be able to do this And how many women he's harmed through this too, because abortion does not leave women unharmed, whether it's emotional, psychological, physical, it affects you. Something like amazing that I have been telling a lot of my clients recently that they have found when you're pregnant and it doesn't matter for how long you're pregnant. So if you have an early miscarriage or if you have an abortion or you're able to carry your baby to term and have that baby outside the womb, a little part of the baby's blood mixes in with mom's blood. So there's always a little bit of those babies in you for the rest of your life. To me, that's just so amazing. Like how 
when Psalm says that God made us fearfully and wonderfully, every time we learn little things like that, I'm like, those just don't seem like the right words to describe it. Like how amazing God made us that we have these little pieces of like our children in us because of that blood mixing a little bit and just how precious that is. But also at the same time for these mamas who have had abortions, like that takes it to another level of understanding how deep that pain and hurt can be. And so if there are any listeners that have had an abortion and you are struggling, please reach out for help. There are lots of centers that can help you on that journey and go through that process of healing because that can be a hard place to be in. It's almost as if God designed us to have children, even, yeah, as you mentioned, like the mom has the child, you know, as long as she gets pregnant, that child is with her for the rest of her life to some extent biologically. And so, yeah, it's, it's almost as if God designed childbirth to be precious that way. And it's not like something that just somehow crept in, invaded a woman's body and that, you know, oh, we got to get rid of it it's you know violating my space god clearly designed it there's some people that some of them you even might have known or your friends with that are among that group of people pro-life activists who are already been found guilty they're awaiting a sentencing of how much prison time are they going to face for violating the face act which of course that's another thing that the federal government weaponizes the FACE Act that uh, Bill Clinton signed in the early 90s that proposes that just like no one can stop people going into a, a clinic entrance, also the same thing, people can't stop others from going into a pregnancy center or a church ministry and stuff, but to this date there hasn't been any prosecutions of people violating the FACE Act on the ministry side of it, but there's been plenty, especially in the last few years of weaponizing the FACE Act against anyone who would even stand across the street from an abortion clinic and speak or whatever. So we have the case of Mark Hoke that we talked about over a year ago. Apparently people can burn down a Wendy's or burn down property and they won't get prosecuted if they're protesting the right thing, you know, the politically correct thing. But if you dare peacefully just sit down on the floor in the hallway of a abortion clinic, you could possibly face a punishment that's worse than someone who committed violence, domestic violence, you know, or even heinous crimes, and they, they get off, but not pro-life activists. And I'd like to read Proverbs 10:11 in light of this story, um, seeing if infanticide could be happening in D.C., It says, the mouth of a righteous man is a well of life, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. We see lots of violence, you know, we see it out in public, on the news, but the violence that we often don't see, it seems like behind the closed doors of the clinics and these DC-5 seems like a leak and a glimpse of some of the untold violence that we see going on in the name of medical practice and clinics. 
And so we hope that God will be able to use this situation to bring to light and to begin to change society and create a culture of life and roll back the whole culture of death that we're seeing. And so I know this episode was kind of a depressing or gruesome topic, but things do need to be said and to be made public. Christians need to be aware of the battles that we face and to engage in them and to keep informed about just how evil things are, especially in the sanctioned halls of the good old USA. And so we hope that this episode was informative and that you will stay tuned for the next episode of Truth Espresso. And God bless. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso. 